Wow, what an absolutely wild first huge weekend of the 2017 college football season. Gotta believe there's more where that came from. Great to have you with us, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Strong as Steel, the most uh, informative and authoritative podcast you're going to find anywhere with the college football season in mind. I'm Michael Regai, pleased to be joined by the author of uh, the Bible, as we call it, Bill Steele's College Football Preview, and of course, all over ESPN as well. We say hi to uh, our man, Phil Steele. Phil, you still got a pulse after that first weekend, man? Five nights of football and wild indeed, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. A lot of uh, a lot of big games, a lot of big outcomes, uh, a lot of fun uh, during the whole weekend. It's good to see football back going again. Yeah, and it shook up the top 25 to be sure. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, ready for you as well. We're going to take a look at the entire college football landscape. As we said, we'll, we'll analyze, we'll assess, and do it in a way and evaluate that we think will enhance your college football viewing. You can jump on with us. The number to jump on with, 646-668-2248, 646-668-2248. Just that simple. You can also do it on Twitter, at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai, at Jimmy Boz 5 and you're ready to rock with us. Phil, the intrigue will continue this week. Let's start with uh, the four top 25 games that we have in the offing. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of intrigue attached to what's going on under the Golden Dome this week. Notre Dame sitting number 24. They welcome in the Georgia Bulldogs. Brandon Wimbush, Notre Dame QB, got off to a very solid beginning, went over Temple. And how about your PS number five from last year, Phil? Jake Fromm now in for the injured Jacob Eason for Georgia. How much is that going to dictate change in what the perception might be in this one? Uh, well, it shouldn't affect it too much because if you follow Georgia in the spring, watching the spring game, it was an open competition between, between Fromm and Eason. And uh, there's a lot of Georgia fans that wanted Fromm to be the starter. Now, last week, Eason actually started the game, guided two series and zero first downs. Then he got injured. Then Fromm comes off the bench and leads three first-half touchdown drives. And uh, I, th- I think he's in pretty good shape. Now, granted, mm-hmm. Eason would have more experience going into the Golden Dome and playing in a place like Notre Dame. But there will be a good amount of Georgia fans there, from what I hear, maybe 12, upwards of 20,000-plus fans uh, invading. So I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. But as far as the uh, talent level goes, while Jacob Eason came out PS number one, Fromm's not too far behind. And I think both are looked at highly as for their size and arm strength. Who do you like in this one, Phil? You you think that uh, that Notre Dame is going to this? But would we consider this a signature home win for them? And we know Brian Kelly needs that, doesn't he? He definitely does. Coming off of last season, uh, you know Notre Dame is my number one most improved team in the country this year. They looked great last week, but this will be the true test. We've seen them play some of the big boys and come up just short. Last week, last year, they had five net close losses during the course of the season. Uh, I like what the Irish are doing on defense this year. The offense does look explosive. Overall, they're a much improved team. They're at home. They, I think they do need this win desperately. Uh, I like the Irish to get it, probably by about a touchdown. So I, I like Notre Dame in this one. All right. Were you impressed with Brandon Wimbush last week and uh, the win over Temple? Yes, I was. And, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, earlier when we did the podcast in Notre Dame that Mm -hmm. I think he's got a chance to match Kaiser's stats from last year. Kaiser's stats weren't, you know, granted, he's a very talented QB, but didn't have tremendous stats last season. I thought he had a chance to get there. So we'll see if he gets it done this year. 
Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fascinating watch to be sure. All right, this is how we do it. And again, we'll go across the college football landscape. We've got an hour to do it. You get your questions ready. 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. Just like our man Tyler from Oregon did as he's checking in on, uh, I think, his beloved Beavers this week. Hey, Tyler, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Good morning, guys. How's my favorite analysis crew? <laughs> Great. All right. Uh, the Beavers have put together per- two pretty disappointing performances so far, their defense looking especially porous. I'm wondering, with Minnesota coming into the research stadium having not ex- exactly lit the world on fire offensively so far, can the Beavers plug some of their own holes in this game and hopefully maybe poke a few in the Gophers boat at the same time? Yeah, I think that the key to this game might just be the uh, turnovers by the quarterbacks. Both have, uh, you know, Luton was did play at Idaho, but so far he's got a 3-4 ratio. Although in that first game where he had the three interceptions, probably only one of them may be his fault, and that one he was under pressure. Uh, one had a quarterback or the receiver fall down, the other one that was tipped off the receiver's hands. But still a 3-4 ratio so far this year. And you look at uh, Minnesota, they're rotating two guys, Connor Rhoda. And Demery Croft, Croft more of a runner so far, Rhoda more of the passer, but neither overwhelming in that opening game against Buffalo. But what Minnesota does have is Rodney Smith and Shannon Brooks, a very solid running back combo, and I think they may get unhitched this week. And Tyler Johnson, a threaded receiver, 141 yards receiving in the opening game. Now, Ryan Knowles a bulldozer. I love the way he runs with the football. Minnesota's rush D looking pretty good so far, allowing just 51 yards to Buffalo. That'll be an interesting matchup there. I, I think Minnesota's a slightly better team. But Oregon State is at home and in sort of a desperate situation. And unimpressed with the Portland State game, a game they need a touchdown with a minute left to pull that one out. Uh, I think this one will be an exciting game, go right to the wire. For the record, I'm leaning with Minnesota to come out on top, but uh, I think the, the Beavers will have a great shot at it. Appreciate the call there, as always, Tyler. Yeah, Tyler, thanks very much. Uh, that's how we do it. Again, 646-668-2248. We'll be all over the uh, top 25. We'll be all over the entire college football landscape. Phil and I don't just look at uh, the uh, the Power Fives as well. Now, you got thoughts on the group of five? You want to know how a squad from the AAC, the, uh, the Mountain West, the MAC, the Sun Belt, Conference USA is doing? We got it for you right here on Strong as Steel. Speaking of uh, the uh, the American Athletic Conference, Phil, Charlie Strong and his South Florida Bulls are off to a 2-0 start. They're up to number 21 this week. They beat San Jose State. They beat Stony Brook. Love quarterback Quentin Flowers. He's rolling early for Charlie Strong. Uh, now they're going into uh, UConn this week, so they're in AAC play. South Florida's Bulls keep rolling and go to 3-0 and here. I think they absolutely do get to 3-0. and The the big question that uh, a lot of our listeners are wondering is, how much are they going to win by this week? And uh, They're about <laughs> yeah. a 17-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Now, let's face it, Connecticut wasn't overwhelming in their opener. They played Holy Cross, uh, beat them 27-20. to uh, They've got a new quarterback this year in David Pindle. Uh, last week, he threw for 154 yards. Nate Hopkins did top 100 yards rushing. Uh, For South Florida, Darius Tice had a big first game, but surprisingly only 50 yards last week against San Jose State. Overall, uh, South Florida's been a little bit on the disappointing side uh, when you look at uh, what they've done. They they got down big against San Jose and rallied and didn't blow out Stony Brook like you thought they would. I think this is one of those games where maybe South Florida's playing a little tight coming into the year. They know if all things come out well, they finish unbeaten and maybe – Maybe playing a little tight, and I think Connecticut under Etzel will be fired up for this home game. I like South Florida to win it, but only by about a couple of touchdowns. I think Connecticut can keep it closer than a lot of folks expect. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and uh, right there as well. Uh, Randy Etzel, I think, is going to surprise some folks this year. We we touched on that in our preview, so we'll look for uh, the continued development of UConn and Randy Etzel's squad as the season goes along great to have all of you along right here on strong as steel michael Regai, phil steel our producer jim nabosna get your twitter questions ready jim will uh, be joining um, a couple times during the course of the show and we'll see uh, how all of you on social media we're not shutting you out you're a big big part of what we do here on strong as steel and again 646-668-2248 Phil, let's take a look at one in uh, the ACC this week. So the, those Louisville cards, Bobby Petrino's guys, they got off to that slow start, and then the uh, the strong finish 
uh, with Lamar Jackson at the throttle to uh, grab the win over Purdue. Uh, now we're in conference play. They got to go into Chapel Hill to tangle with uh, the Tar Heels of North Carolina. Early season ACC test, Phil, for both squads. Where's the edge lie here? You know, North Carolina was very disappointing last week. They were out to the lead against Cal, appeared to be cruising as a pretty big favorite at home. And then late in the game, uh, Cal scores a couple touchdowns, ends up beating them outright. Now, Chaz Surratt got the start in the opener for North Carolina. Then they brought in Brandon Harris. Harris had two interceptions in his 16 passes. Surratt came back in later. But uh, the two QBs uh, really didn't step it up in the first game of the season. Michael Carter led him with 94 yards rushing. Now, with Louisville, Mark Jackson was dynamite as usual, 485 yards total offense, over 100 yards rushing, 378 passing last week. Twice Louisville fumbled the ball near the Purdue goal line or might have been out to a lead. In fact, Purdue led most of this game till Louisville rallied with two late touchdowns to pull out the win uh, and win that by seven. I uh, still think when you look at Louisville, there's some flaws. And you look at their last four games, they have not been as impressive as expected. And I think North Carolina at home off a loss, it's almost a desperate situation for them. So I like Louisville to win the game, but they're about a 10-point favorite in Vegas right now. I think North Carolina makes this a, a legitimate battle and, and could even pull the upset. So I like the home underdog here North Carolina to make this one a lot closer than expected. Yeah, I'm with you on that one too, Phil. I uh, I think obviously, you know, week two, we're going to get to a lot of them. There's some very key conference battles here going on in uh, week two, early conference games that uh, just like we saw last week with rather unusual Ohio State, the uh, the number two team in uh, college football, open up with that win over Indiana that we'll get to as well. You may want to go see some of these matchups like Louisville and North Carolina. Guess what? I've got just the way for you to do it. I get asked all the time, what's the best, most efficient way to buy tickets for sports events and concerts too? Got it for you. Easy. SeatGeek. That's right. SeatGeek. Smartest, easiest, very effective way to get the seats you want. And there's the point, the seats you want at the price you want, where you want to sit in the the venue that you're settling in to watch college football in. They've got a seamless mobile experience SeatGeek does that allows you to buy and sell tickets to all events you want with just a couple of taps on that mobile device, fully guaranteed. You can see your favorite college football team, NFL squad play, maybe your favorite musician or band. You instantly will find seats, just like I did a little bit earlier this summer to check out Bruno Mars in Cleveland. So you do that. It's just that simple. Make SeatGeek your go-to app. It'll save you time and money on every type of ticket you want. Again, that's sports, concerts, theater. You save time and money. And the best part of your SeatGeek experience, you're as strong as steel, listener, right? Yes, you are. You're going to get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. Heard me correct. $20 off. Download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E. 20 bucks off, just like that. Be front and center at everything you want. Make sure you do it the best way, the only way. Do it with SeatGeek. Hey, so good to have you with us here. Strong as steel, as we said last week. Just a wild opening Labor Day weekend in college football. A couple of coaches already had to, had to answer to the masses and some of their, their regents and their presidents on Monday, uh, like uh, – like our man, Mr. Sumlin, down at, at Texas A&M after that, uh, that blown big lead against UCLA. So we're discussing all of that, and we'll get to the Texas A&M story coming up in a moment. 646-668-2248. Let's head to uh, New York and uh, welcome in uh, our friend Mark as we uh, check in with him. Uh, Mark, welcome to Strongest Steel. How are you feeling today? Doing very well, guys. Good afternoon. Uh, just a quick question on this uh, Alabama-Fresno State game. Uh, this kind of reminds me of the game Alabama has once a year. Last year was against Western Kentucky, 35-point underdog, and they ended up losing in the last like two minutes. Fresno State's at 43.5 points. Alabama just lost two of the top linebackers. You know, rough week last week against Florida State. I kind of just see them coasting to like a 25, 28-point victory just to get through the week. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? All right. Appreciate the call, Mark. And uh, you, you hit it right on the head when you follow Alabama. They've had six marquee matchups to open up the season, 
and uh, they've won all six impressively. But there is a letdown, and that generally happens in college football. If you play your A-plus game one game, you're not going to play your A-plus game the next week. They have yet to cover a game uh, after such a big win like that. Now, full disclosure, uh, I think it was two years ago or maybe three years ago, they were playing Florida Atlantic, and they were minus, I believe, 38-39, and they were winning 41 nothing at the start of the fourth quarter, and then the game got called, which made it an unofficial game which is the reason they didn't cover it. They would have covered that game, most likely, unless they gave up a late touchdown like they did last year to Western Kentucky, uh, had the game been an official game and, and gone the distance. But still, there's been that letdown each and every year. I like what Fresno did. Now, granted, I don't think anybody in the country is going to have the type of jump that Fresno does in opponent. Fresno last week trumped incarnate word 66 to nothing i mean 613 yards offense they are not going to come anywhere near that versus this nasty alabama defense but uh i I like what jeff tedford's doing there at fresno uh, and i do think that alabama sort of goes through the motions in this colorado state might be a game you're peeking ahead to after their impressive opener against oregon state and you know if you watch the colorado game you know where they were much better than the final score in that one so uh, I like Bama to win probably in the 35 to 42 area, but uh, I think Fresno probably getting a bunch of points there. So uh, I, I lean with the, with the Bulldogs plus the points in that one. Appreciate the call there, Mark. Yeah, Phil, you know, uh, when you look back and so much attention, we paid to Florida State and Alabama, and rightfully so last week, but the dreaded season-ending injury situation. We all know the story for Jimbo Fisher now with DeAndre Francois, and Nick Saban lost a pair of starting linebackers. Was it confirmed yesterday they're both gone for the year? Yes, both out for the year. Now, uh, mm. uh, it's, it is a big lot, but they are deep, naturally. They've got, sure, they've yeah. got third, third stringers in Alabama that could be playing in the NFL. So it's just they're, maybe they're, it, it hurts the depth, I think, of the linebacking core probably the most because they're, they're a team that rotates their linebackers quite a bit. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they, they had some significant NFL losses to uh, end of eligibility at Alabama. But, Phil, again, I, I was very impressed by the uh, the speed of Alabama's defense and the way they flew around to the football on Saturday night. Yeah, they played great defense. And, uh, you know, I think the one unit in that team that maybe gets a knock might be the Florida State defense itself. Uh, Florida State gave up 24 points in the game, and generally you consider that pretty average performance. But yeah. at one point in the game, Florida State had four turnovers on five plays. And even though yep. one's not counted officially as a turnover, they had a punt blocked. Uh, the next time they touched the ball, their kick returner fumbled the ball at the end zone, and Alabama got a touchdown the next play. Then Florida State did run one play without turning the ball over. They got a three-yard run. Then their quarterback, DeAndre Francois, who last year did not have a single multiple interception game, threw back-to-back interceptions. And at that point, the defense was keeping Alabama out of the end zone. They only gave up 10 points through that whole mess of uh, four turnovers. And really, when you look at you know Bama, 268. 69 yards. I expect them to average close to 500 yards per game this year. I think the Florida State defense really proved itself. And to, to take on Alabama's offense and give them four turnovers in five plays and only allow 24 points and 13 first downs, I thought the Florida State defense is very impressive. Yeah, I'm right with you. We'll keep close tabs, too. This may be a little bit of a work in progress early on with new offensive coordinator Brian Daybowl, of course working with uh, Nick Saban now after he went through both Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian, as we've discussed quite a bit uh, here on the show uh, last year. We mentioned there are four games in the top 25 this week that pit two of those top 25 against one another. What do you say we uh, head into the great state of New Jersey with some thoughts on 13 Auburn at number three Clemson. Here's our man, Rich, always good to have you on Strongest Steel, Rich. How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. <clears throat> so I'm looking at this Auburn and Clemson game, and I really like Stidham. I'm a big Gus Malzahn fan, and I really kind of think they're going to pull off the upset. I see a strong edge at quarterback. I know how strong Clemson's defense is, but I just think that, you know, there's definitely an upgrade at, on the Clemson skill position players as well. I think it's a great spot to see an upset. I'm just trying to get uh, your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I think an upset is, is definitely a possibility. Now, I will say this. I was very impressed with uh, both squads last week. Uh, first of all, 
when you look at Auburn, uh, naturally you expected some yards and points and, and a little bit maybe of going through the motions in the second half of the game against the Georgia Southern. But I love what their defense did, taking on the triple option, the cut blocking of Georgia Southern. They allowed just 78 total yards offense. That was a tremendous performance. And the offense did put up 535 yards, so a good game there. Now, with Clemson, your biggest question mark is who's going to replace Deshaun Watson and of course Kelly Bryant stepped in and he had Watson-esque moments at points you know he had some highlight plays threw for 236 yards ran for 77 they rolled up 665 yards against Kent State while both offenses had great success last week we're not going to see either the Kent State defense or the Georgia Southern defense on the field what we are going to see is two top 10 defenses and for me the best value in this game is probably under I see that Vegas has actually put a number on this game and I believe it's in the 50s and I cannot see either team in a big game with a young quarterback. It's 54 actually in a big game with a young quarterback taking a lot of chances. You have new skill players around for Clemson's offense. For Auburn, you're taking on one of the best, I rate it the best defensive line in the country. Do you really want to turn the ball over when you know your biggest chance to win the game is keep it close maybe win it by a field goal at the end? So I see one of these two teams edging out a win probably by a field goal in the end, but I see it more of like a 20-17 to game and frankly I'm a little surprised Vegas has put the total on that at 54. I think it'll be a defensive type of game. Appreciate the call. Yeah, thanks very much, Rich. Good stuff. And, uh, Phil, I'm with you on that. Uh, I do believe both these defenses are going to early here in the season. Week two certainly show up. And, uh, I, I again, I, I'm with you on that. I think we see something that uh, doesn't quite approach that uh, that total number there. Auburn, of course, uh, beating Georgia Southern, as we said, and Clemson mauled Kent State and the uh, the openers for both. Great to have you along here on Strong as Steel. Michael Regai, our uh, college football guru, Phil Steele, the author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, is here. You can give us a holler, 646-668-2248, 646-668-2248. And uh, on Twitter as well, because we are just seconds away of uh, checking our, our Twitter mailbag here on Twitter, at Phil Steel a zero four two at Michael Regai at Jimmy Boz five and without further ado with uh, some of the uh, social media offerings from you let's uh, call on our producer Jim Nabosna Jim great to have you on the show as always appreciate uh, all your hard work what do we have in the uh, the Twitter world with some thoughts this week on week two of college football well, we start off in the Pacific Northwest this week. At Utes Forever says, Last year, Boise did a great job shutting down the run, but Falk still threw for 480 yards. Does this year's team have the pieces to slow Falk down and keep it within 10 points? You know, you look at Boise, and uh, I like what the defense did in the opening uh, week of the season, but what I didn't like about Boise in that first week against Troy was what the offense did. Now, Brett Rippon coming into the season was perceived as one of the top quarterbacks in the country, and he's had some very impressive passing stats. But let's face it, he struggled against Troy. In fact, hit just 13 of 23 for 160 yards. And the Kansas transfer, Montel Cozart, played a little in the first half and actually guided the team to its lone touchdown drives, including one in the fourth quarter, which got him ahead of Troy 24 to 13. So sort of unimpressed a little bit with the Boise offense last week. And now there's a little bit of a quarterback controversy as well. When I look at Washington State, it's a veteran team. It's one that uh, clearly disappointed in the bowl game. I mean, I, they were taken on a depleted Minnesota pass defense with a, a whole slew of players out with suspension. And uh, Washington State struggled to put up yards and points in the game and actually lost that one uh, with only scoring 12 points and 303 total yards offense. So I think that they've shown that you can slow them down. They did lose their top receiver from last year. James Williams had 163 yards in the opener against Montana State. They've got the three-headed running back with Jamar Morrill, James Williams, Gerald Wicks. Uh, those guys combined for uh, over a thousand, over 1,500 yards rushing and over 1,000 yards receiving last year. So it's a pretty potent offense. And those slow starts under Mike Leach, you know, he's lost to an FCS school each of the last two years. How about 31 nothing against Montana State? Got off to a better start. Uh, they do have Oregon State on deck, but I see Washington State winning this one probably by about 14 points, and I think I would have called for a closer game at Boise's offense, not struggled so much last week. Appreciate the tweet. 
Mike Torres, he must have saw that Penn State has been covering everything for the past year because he wants to know your thoughts on the Penn State pit point spread. Is it too high or will they cover that number? Well, Mike, my basic uh, philosophy is when you play on a streak, you can win many times and you lose only once. And uh, Penn State's now covered 11 straight games. And uh, I, I think you just have to stay on it and keep riding them. I'll take you back to oh, it was the in the 80s when the New England Patriots ripped off a streak of, I think, 13 straight wins. And each week they got to the playoffs. They had to play the Miami Dolphins, and the spread was nowhere near what it should have been. They should have been like a seven-point underdog, and they were a three-point dog against a better Miami team. They upset them. They had to play the Oakland Raiders. Same thing. Should have been probably a seven-point underdog. They were a three-point underdog. They upset them. They get to the Super Bowl, and uh, they got waxed by the Bears. But you know what? That was their only loss. So if you started on them at two, and you even thought, well, this is to go against a streak, you know, this is the week they're going to lose. You can lose many times. You win only once. But to play on a streak, you can win many times, and you're only going to lose that one time. So I think it's well worth to ride the streak. The number is keeps climbing on Penn State games. Really a rivalry game like this, you would think the number would be closer. But let's face it, Pitt did struggle last week with Youngstown State. While they jumped out to a 21 nothing lead, they needed overtime to win. They actually got outgained by Youngstown State. Max Brown didn't have the type of game I expected, only throwing for 140 yards. So uh, Penn State's playing with legitimate revenge. They're at home. They want to establish that they're the best team in the state of Pennsylvania. I say ride the, ride the Nittany Lions again this week. Appreciate the tweet. Yeah, definitely appreciate your tweets. Keep them coming. Jim Nabosna will be back in uh, the second half of the show, and we'll get you uh, your thoughts again with uh, how you want to uh, see Phil assess and evaluate with your questions on Twitter. You can also do it uh, on uh, the telephone at 646-668-2248. Phil, yeah, you're talking about uh, that, that streak that Penn State is riding, you know, phenomenal. So, they have covered every game since uh, their – and they lost uh, two of their first four last year. Pitt was one of them. And then they took the shellacking uh, against Michigan, and they have been on that phenomenal roll. Phil, I think that's incredible in this day and age when we know favorites and prominent name-brand teams are very heavily overvalued week by week, and yet they've been able to run off this kind of run with covering the number. Yeah, and I think it all came down. I think they had a fourth down play against Minnesota, down seven late in the game, converted yeah. it, got a touchdown, and were able to get to overtime and win that game by a field goal to start the streak. I think had that play not happened, it would have been a different Penn State team the rest of the year, much like if the block field goal didn't happen against Ohio State. I thought they played with a great level of confidence down the stretch, and, and frankly, they played pretty good in the opener against Akron again this year. So you just got to keep right. I believe it's 11 in a row for Penn State. And, uh, you know, just ride it until it finally ends. And, yeah, you're going to lose once, but uh, enjoy the wins while they keep pouring in. Yeah, I like my Heisman choice, too, Phil. You know how much I love Saquon Barkley. And, uh, wow, what a performance. We'll see if he continues to uh, rack it up uh, like that. Great to have all of you uh, with us here on Strong as Steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. All right, let's get back at it. Uh, a lot of intriguing matchups uh, this week. And, uh, Phil, one of those that, uh, that I really am looking at, and we said, you know, we, there's a lot of Power Five versus, uh, versus Group of Five this week that uh, are on the docket. And, and one of those that I, I can't wait to hear you evaluate is Mike Gundy, Mason Rudolph, who is quarterback at Oklahoma State. They just rolled that win over Tulsa. But they got to go down to Mobile this week, Phil and see our buddy Joey Jones and that, uh, that crew from South Alabama from the Sun Belt. You know, got beat at Ole Miss, but, I mean, you know, listen, I, could this be a little bit dangerous for Mike Gundy and Mason Rudolph and friends in Mobile? Uh, I don't think he has to worry about getting upset. Yes, Southern Alabama did pull two upsets last year. They upset both uh, – uh, Mississippi State and San Diego State, which were big. But uh, I think when you look at the overall talent that Oklahoma State has, they just have way too much. And uh, Oklahoma State's played a couple games down here in Sunbelt Country. I think the first time they took a trip down here, they took out Troy a few years ago. That was tight. But since then, they usually come down here and play pretty well. I like what they did against Tulsa last week. I mean, Tulsa's got a good team. But uh, you, you saw the triplets coming in, James Washington, Mason Rudolph, Justice Hill. Hill had 132 yards, 8.8 yards of carry. Rudolph, over 300 yards passing. And James Washington, close to 150 yards rushing. They are loaded. Now, South Alabama, 
uh, is a team that last week in their game against uh, Ole Miss, they actually trailed pretty good. They were down uh, 47 to 13. I believe they scored the last two touchdowns of the game to gain a little bit of confidence. Cole Garvin did have a decent game, throwing for over 200 yards. Uh, that might be their best help here would be a couple of scores late to keep this one closer than expected. But uh, I, I don't think the Cowboys are going to have a trouble. I don't think they're going to be on upset alert. Uh, I think they live up to the fact that they are a 28-point 20, favorite. Well, you mentioned those triplets, too. And if you love that uh, that kind of dynamic offense from a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, make sure you check out Oklahoma State this year because they've got it. Phil, let's move on. We mentioned the name earlier on, and we also just said we're looking at uh, Power 5, making a trip into Group of 5 this week. And that's what Jimbo Fisher's got to deal with. So not only the loss to Alabama, but he's got to take his Florida State Seminoles into Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, Sunbelt battle with um, uh, ULM. And Phil, no DeAndre Francois. Now your PS number 52, James Blackman, is true freshman. He's going to step in and get the call at quarterback. Now, look, they, they played very, very well on the defensive side of the ball, but how much do you see this potentially altering? Is Jimbo Fisher going to scale it back a little bit this week for James Blackman uh, in uh, Monroe, Louisiana? I think it's just the opposite. Uh, and I'm going to go to Clemson Tigers last week, for example. They played Kent State, first game of the season. They have a young quarterback, young running back, young receiver. Really, the question marks of the team was the quarterback, running back, receiver coming in because of what they lost. They're taking on Kent State. you got Auburn on back. Do you do conservative? Heck no. You go out there and you tell these players that you want these players to be confident when they're in the big game. Those are the times that you need them to go out and gain that confidence, and that they did. Like I said, Kelly Bryant had a really good game. They rolled up 665 yards offense. Now, if I'm Coach Jimbo Fisher, generally this is a sandwich situation. And if DeAndre Francois was healthy, yeah, they'd go through the motions because they got Miami a Florida on deck. You can't get a much bigger sandwich, but they're off a loss. And you can't go into Miami of Florida with a quarterback that doesn't have confidence. So you need to get mm-hmm. uh, that offense, the confidence. So I think what they're going to do is run full game plan. Why not? Give them a dry run here. You're only taking on ULM. Give them the full game plan. Let's see what he can handle. Let's see what he can't handle. If he makes a mistake somewhere along the way, you got the defense that's going to be able to bail you out. I think we're going to see a potent Florida State offense, one where if I'm the offense coordinator for Florida State, I'm, I'm a little uh, uh, upset at what happened on the field last week. I want to start feeling good before that Miami game. I just got a very good defensive front. So I'm going to turn loose Jacques Patrick, Cameron Akers, and company in the backfield. I'm going to hit some receivers and Ryan Izzo down the field. The offensive line just faced Alabama's defensive line. Now they're going to have a much easier test. I think this is a feel-good game for Florida State, and I see him putting up 49, 50 points in this one and get the youngster, uh, James Blackman, ready for these upcoming tests, including Miami next week. Yeah, sounds like Phil likes the Knowles to row big against uh, uh, ULM, Louisiana, Monroe. We're delighted you're part of Strongest Steel. Still got a lot of time to go for you here as we uh, go through just about uh, everything that moves in uh, the FBS this weekend. Let's stay on that same theme, Phil, that we've been on. Number nine, Wisconsin. Well, how about Paul Chris squad last week? First thing I look at, I'm calling Central Michigan and uh, Rhode Island, which turned into the three-overtime affair, and uh, down 10 nothing. Down 10 nothing is Wisconsin early on at home, and Wow, then they turned on the Jets, and they absolutely rolled with the uh, the big win. Florida Atlantic is their uh, road opponent this week. They've got to go down to uh, Boca Raton. Lane Kiffin, he lost his opener to Navy after they had a, a brief surge early on in a game that was delayed for a couple of hours. Number nine, Wisconsin, going down to Florida Atlantic, Phil. Again, uh, is the Big Ten going to go down there into South Florida and show their superiority in this one? Well, actually, it's going to be jump-around time because the game's up in Wisconsin. So that's a, that's a nice advantage for Wisconsin to have uh, at home for this one against Florida Atlantic. And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you're watching the Wisconsin game. You should have seen the looks on the fans' faces when it was 10 nothing after the first quarter. And uh, they were wondering, do we, do we fire this guy, Paul Christ, or what's the story here? And then just absolute domination after that. 
478 yards, and it's good to see the run game back in action again. Uh, I've mentioned it during our uh, podcast over the summer that uh, Wisconsin's run game has only averaged 3.5 and 4.1 yards per carry, not very Wisconsin-ish. About 5.2 yards per carry. They're getting back there with that offensive line. And running backs like Jonathan Taylor, Bradrick Shaw, uh, Chris James, all had effective days running the football. Now, Florida Atlantic's defense got gashed by Navy, but it's a different type of run game here. You're talking about trying to defend the wizardry of the option last week. Now you got to defend the full brute force of Wisconsin's big offensive line. So you are going from... Uh, uh, in from the uh, thing into the fire, it's just going to be a tough situation for Florida Atlantic's defense this week, uh, playing uh, uh, bruising Wisconsin team. Now, Florida Atlantic looked good for parts of that Navy game, gave up a couple of big plays, and it all went south. Uh, they went with Daniel Part, quarterback, brought the uh, heralded DeAndre Johnson in a QB a couple of times. He was mostly a runner when he came in. In fact, he ran the ball four times, passed it three times. Uh, Part looked decent passing at times last week, but I personally probably would have gone with Johnson. But uh, overall, Wisconsin's going to have no problems here with Florida Atlantic. I don't think they open up slow this week, and I think they do win it comfortably, as they usually do in these non-conference games. Yeah, good catch on your part too, my friend. As uh, yeah, you know, I'm 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 giving Florida Atlantic back-to-back home games against Navy and then against Wisconsin, but fills out it uh, that one in Madison, Wisconsin, coming up on uh, on Saturday. We're delighted you're part of Strongest Steel. Feel Steel's here. I'm Michael Regai, our producer Jim Nabasta. Jump on board if you like. We got time for you. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. We're also going to check uh, Twitter. All of you jumping on social media we will not uh, ever ignore all of you you know i mentioned time a moment ago is having time you got to know uh, what time your favorite game starts this weekend you know i get asked all the time phil Steele, what's that great looking watch you're wearing reggae and how expensive is it well you're right on one count all of you that ask that question but way off on the other it's a sleek stylish Denali that I'm wearing, beautifully designed by the good folks at Movement Watches. That's right, Movement Watches. They look like a million bucks, and they cost way, way less, like the Denali Signature Edition I'm wearing. And I'm inviting you to check out the classic design of Movement Watches right now, starting as low as just 95 bucks. That's right. You look like you got a couple thousand dollar uh, a watch on your wrist, beautifully designed, crafted. It's $95. The watchmaker's ultimate goal at Movement is to change the way you, the consumer, think about style and fashion and what you wear. So they offer you high-quality watches at revolutionary prices, $1 million plus. Movement watches are being worn right now in 160 countries the world over. And guess what? There's more. I'm inviting you to receive 15% off today with free shipping and uh, free returns if you need it by going to MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com slash steel. Check out the amazing selection, and you'll be the envy of every watch-wearing friend you have. They'll marvel at Movement Watch's clean design and style. Why wait? I'm wearing the Denali right now. Phil has got a beautifully designed Movement Watch. So does our producer, Jim Nabosna. We're all hooked up. You should be, too. You see, Movement knows selling to you online cuts out the middleman and retail markup. They get you the best price possible all right 15 percent off today go to mvmt mvmt.com slash steel 15 percent off you'll love the selection you'll love the design it's got to be movement watches all right michael regai phil Steele, jim nabosna here on strong as steel again we've got uh, plenty of time Movement Watch time. And Movement Watch is uh, also uh, sponsoring this look at our Twitter mailbag here in this section of Strong as Steel. Jim Nabosna, you're back front and center, my man. Uh, what are all of our Strong as Steel listeners thinking about with regard to this weekend? I would say the most uh, common tweet I got for this weekend, a lot of people want to know about this Ohio-Purdue game. And uh, the one tweet in particular, can Ohio running game keep the Purdue offense on the sideline long enough to squeak out a big upset this week. You know, I, I'm intrigued by this matchup because, uh, you know, you look at uh, Jeff Brom, 
uh, Purdue. I thought he did tremendous things at Western Kentucky. He takes over some pretty good talent. Now, David Blau is not 100% healthy the entire month of August. Uh, so Sindelar got the start. Blau would come off the bench, but after a couple of key interceptions, including one that was returned for a touchdown, Sindelar returned to the lineup. They didn't run the ball very well. Tariel Fuller led the team with just 29 yards rushing. Uh, and those two fumbles at the goal line helped, but they did lead the majority of the game against Louisville. They're playing like a typical Jeff Brom coach team, which makes them dangerous. And I did not, uh, they've been finishing in the basement of the Big Ten uh, West for the last couple of years. I picked them to escape the basement this season. So I, I think you got a Big Ten team that normally when you take on a MAC team, they're looking past them, not this Purdue team. They've had too few of wins. But now let's talk about Ohio. You know, Ohio's a team that I'm picking to win the MAC uh, East this year. It's, uh, the East is wide open, but I think when you look at A.J. Olette at running back, uh, you got Maxwell, and they even brought in Nathan Rourke at QB last week to get some action in there. That defense is its typical stout uh, Frank Solich type of defense. How about 108 yards allowed last week against Hampton? Granted, it was Hampton, but uh, they played good defense on both sides. They only allowed 6 of 24 completions, 1.5 yards per carry. I think that I'm already in this game a pure toss-up. I mean, Purdue's at home. They should be favored, but I, I, I think Ohio's going to be right down the stretch. A huge game, I think, for both teams. be great for Ohio to put a feather in the camp. Uh, Ohio next week actually plays another Power 5 team in Kansas. They get that game at home. They're actually going to be favored in that one. So here's their chance to potentially go 2-0 and against Power 5 for Purdue. They need a victory. So I, th- I think it's going to be one of those toss-up games and an exciting game to watch on Friday night. And we head over to the ACC and at Mighty, Mag- at Mighty McGates wants to know if Boston College showed some signs of offensive life versus NIU last week. And do you think they have enough offensive firepower to win a low-scoring affair versus Wake Forest this weekend in Chestnut Hill? Well, I'm pretty sure it will be exactly what you just touched on, which is low-scoring. You've got two outstanding defenses. Now, Wake Forest defense quarter Mike Elko is with Notre Dame right now, but they didn't lose too much beats last week. They held Presbyterian to under 250 yards in that solid 51-7 to win. Now, Boston College had themselves a test. Uh, I talked to Coach Rod Carey this summer going over the Northern Illinois team. He's very high on them, said they're going to be a much-improved team. So I think we're going to see Northern Illinois be a very good team at the end of the year. So winning there by three points is pretty good. Overall, I wasn't that impressed with the run game. I was expecting more. John Hilleman, only 2.3 yards per carry. That was one of those things where when I talked to Coach Adazio uh, over the uh, summer, he said Hillman was a much-improved rusher. The offensive line was better. I'd like to see more than 2.3 yards per carry. Anthony Brown, decent first game as a starting QB, 191 yards passing. Uh, I think these two teams are very close. Boston College is at home. Last year, BC went into Wake Forest and came out of there uh, with a victory, and uh, and I think they're capable of doing it once again. I think Boston College, slightly better team at home. I like BC to get the win at home, and uh, hopefully they'll get Hilleman untracked this week and get him above that 2.3 yards per carry. Appreciate the tweet. And we'll roll it over to at Miguel Adamchek. He said, Michigan did have an impressive win over Florida last week, but I still think this 34-point spread versus Cincinnati is way too big. Do you agree that it is a little overhyped? Uh, you know, Cincinnati struggled big time with Austin P last week. They, yeah, they won 26 to 14, but they were actually outgained. And Austin P's not a very good FCS team. So, uh, you know, Hayden Moore only threw for 151 yards. It's a new offense. Mike Boone at least ran for 100 yards last week. Very impressed with Michigan at the line of scrimmage. You look at their offensive line, defensive line. I thought they uh, pretty much controlled the game. I know Florida was a little shorthanded coming into it along the line of scrimmage as well as missing their top running back and receiver. But overall, you had to be very impressed with that Michigan team on both sides of the ball. So it, it's one of those games where, uh, you know, it's it's at Michigan. It's their first home game. And uh, the one thing is with Don Brown's defense, I don't care if you're up by 35 get late in the game. He doesn't want to give up a yard. He doesn't want to give up a point. He's going to be bringing the blitzes from everywhere. And that means uh, it makes it sort of scary to back an underdog in the big house. So if I saw more out of Cincinnati last week, I would like the Bearcats maybe here. But uh, I, I think it's going to be tough to go against Michigan. Appreciate the tweet. 
All right, good stuff from all of you on Twitter. And, uh, Phil, yeah, I agree with you on that, uh, your assessment on Don Brown. Remember last week we mentioned that, you know, we're doing roll call with all the uh, yeah, the starters that are now in the NFL that Michigan lost last year. But, Phil, all those young men that I pointed out, they played, uh, you know, 25 to 35% of the snaps that are now starters this year in, in Brown's rotation. And, Phil, I think we can make a case that uh, this this defense, at least what they showed against Florida, of course, an SE team that does have speed, they look faster. I'm not going to say they're, they're going to turn out to be better. Maybe last year's was more a little athletic. This Michigan defense, led by Devin Bush and Kalike Hudson and Josh Metellus, they actually look faster in Don Brown's scheme than the group a year ago. Uh, it might have looked a little bit faster. I, I would have liked to have seen Florida at full full sand. You know, I have their entire team there. Uh, Jordan Scarlett was clearly their best running back and missed the game. Caught with their best receiver out for the game and a couple offensive linemen as well. But uh, I, I, I think that this defense showed a lot last week. Very impressed with them. And, and I like the way they played physically at the line of scrimmage as well. Yep, no doubt about that. Always a hallmark of uh, down brown squads. All right, got a couple more. One more big one in the top 25 here on Strong as Steel. That's going to garner a lot of attention. And uh, before we get to uh, Oklahoma's uh, trip to Ohio State, uh, Phil, how about that one on the West Coast in the Pac-12 uh, coming up this week? Number five, USC, hosting number 14, Stanford. I mean, this is going to – listen, that this matchup is going to be one that dictates the course, uh, of course, along with the Washington Huskies and what ha- happens in the Pac-12. But, Phil, USC, I mean, they're in a tight one right up to the fourth corner. Sam Dartled was kind of pedestrian last week uh, until he finally got a couple of drive, a big drive going that helped put away Western Michigan. Stanford was off after their trip to uh, Australia, and they opened up by hammering Rice. How do you see this one unfolding, and is this one where watch out for Stanford possibly in this one going into the Coliseum? Yeah, I I think UCUSC has to be an upset alert. I think this is one of those games uh, you know, one of those field goal games, Michael. I really think the talent is uh, pretty much even. And I'll say this, you know, granted, Stanford took on Rice and, you know, USC was taking on Western Michigan. Western Michigan's got a pretty good run game. they got good running backs and yeah. a solid offensive line. But Western still ran for 263 yards and 5.5 yards per carry against them. I don't think anybody's going to run for that against Stanford's defense all year. Their defensive front seven, pretty stout. Love their cornerbacks. They've got an outstanding safety. So it's a very talented Stanford defense. i got to give Stanford an edge defensively. Now, offensively, while Stanford put up 656 yards in the opener, I love their style of offense, too. They've got like five or six tight ends that can play. They've got a fullback they use. They've got Bryce Love, who ran for 180 yards. Keller Christ, clearly the best quarterback last year, but uh, took him a while to learn the offense. They're practically unbeaten with uh, Keller Christ at the QB. That's a good offense, but I'm still going to give USC the edge offensively. Sam Darnold, all the talk, no touchdown passes. But uh, I'm not necessarily a touchdown pass guy. I'm about total points, total yards, 521 yards, 49 points. They did okay. And I think Darnold will, will find uh, Burnett and Mitchell this week and, and they have some success. Ronald Jones ran for 159. Now, USC is at home, but Stanford has been beating USC every year. Last year, they physically pounded them, beat them 27 to 10, and they're going to try to come out and physically pound them once again. I think it's going to be a great game, one of, the, uh, one of those that you have to watch on Saturday night. And uh, I'll call for you. USC to escape with a win, but only by a field goal. And to be honest with you, an upset wouldn't surprise me at all, but I like the Trojans by a field goal. Yeah, Phil, and I'm going to say, you know how much I love David Shaw, and you just mentioned it. Tough, physical football team. Remember seven years ago, Jim Harbaugh took Stanford into the the Coliseum as a 41-point underdog and beat USC. Love David Shaw. I'm going to I'm going to go the other way, Phil. I'm going to say that Stanford uh, pulls out the victory uh, at the Coliseum and kind of you know, really sets early on the Pac-12 into must-watch for the rest of the season. So uh, Phil and I will have our root beer sarsaparilla on that. Phil's got USC, and I'll take Stanford in that one. We've got room for you, 646-668-2248 uh, here on Strong as Steel as we roll through this big weekend. Phil, I, I want to get your thoughts real quickly. Uh, Regents and some of the Board of Governors at Texas A&M had a lot to say about Kevin Sumlin's squad, uh, the, letting that 44-10 to lead go. 
you know, get, we knew how someone was on the hot seat. It's going to, that's going to make it much hotter, of course. But uh, your thoughts, and uh, were you surprised that uh, after establishing that big lead, Josh Rosen and UCLA kicked it into gear to come up with that monumental win? It's going to go down as one of the wildest comebacks in college football history. Yeah, I, I, you know, watching the first three quarters, you wouldn't have given UCLA a snowball's chance of winning that thing. I mean, Texas A&M just absolutely dominated them, uh, both sides of the football. And then, uh, I, you know, if you watch the game, though, I mean, UCLA needed to have probably about uh, ten different plays just going their way. I mean, we're talking about mm-hmm. fourth down conversions, passes through the defensive backs' hands, uh, just everything that could happen right happened for them in that game, and uh, they were able to make that comeback win. Now, it's not like the entire Board of Regents got up and voted and said, we're putting someone here. I think it was one guy stepped in there and sent some email or Facebook or something. So I'm going to ignore that one guy, that whatever he did. But uh, there's no doubt Aggie fans are are hiring. We knew someone was on the hot seat coming into the season. But we're going to give him a little bit of time here. Now, if this is a weekly occurrence, then, yeah, we could see him gone by midseason. But uh, I don't think we have the entire Texas A&M contingent all against Kevin Sumlin <laughs> right now. They were pretty doggone impressive for three quarters. Boy, they were. I hope not. But, see, and that, that's the thing. That's why it's you know so fragile, right, for college football coaches. That would have been yeah. a signature win. They look like they're – I mean, they're 99% there. And uh, now they get to go home this week and uh, play FCS Nichols at College Station. So we'll assume that it'll be a feel-good for – uh, Texas A&M there. Strongest steel rolling on. Let's dive into the one. Phil said we got to watch USC hosting Stanford out of the Coliseum in L.A. on Saturday night. Uh, we've also got to watch the goings-on in Columbus, Ohio, as number five Oklahoma rolls in with, uh, of course, Baker Mayfield seeing J.T. Barrett in the second-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. I Almost perfection from Baker Mayfield uh, in their their season opening win, Phil, as uh, he was absolutely on the very, very top of his game. Off the quarterback charts against UTEP, J.T. Barrett, slow start, then got it rolling, especially in the fourth quarter, as a couple of short throws turned into touchdown runs as Ohio State pulled away and beat Indiana. If I said quarterback that plays the best in this one on Saturday night will put his team in a very advantageous spot to win, would you agree with that? Um, not necessarily. I think, uh, I think if I was to take the two quarterbacks and say, who's going to have the better passing stats at the end of the game, say it'll likely be Baker Mayfield, but I still think Oklahoma or Ohio state's the stronger team. They're at home and JT Barrett's going to do a little bit with his legs that Baker Mayfield, I know Mayfield's mobile, but I think we're going to see JT Barrett run the ball a little bit more. So he may not have the best passing stats, but uh, I think that you're going to see Ohio State play a pretty good game here. And, you know, last week, last year, I should say, a very young Ohio State team went into Norman and, and pulled the upset, uh, did get some plays in their favor early, and that really got it rolling. Well, maybe if they get a couple plays in their favor here with that home crowd behind them, they get rolling as well. And, frankly, you know, you look at the two head coaches on the field, love Lincoln Riley, but this is his first big game as a head coach. Urban Meyer uh, he's been there, done that a few times. You know, he's got a couple national championships, uh, won a lot of big games in his career. He's at home in Columbus. Uh, I think this is a game where Ohio State uh, gets the victory. They're the better team. They're at home. They've got the, the longer uh, head coach, and uh, I think they get it done here. I was very impressed with uh, Phil with uh, young running back True Frost, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Mike Weber evidently had a, had a hamstring that they decided to I bet be you that gets better with. in a hurry. I bet you it does. Well, he's going to he's going to get Wally pipped, right? <laughs> if he doesn't get back in action, and uh, again, though Dobbins was absolutely electrifyingly explosive in that win for Ohio State. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I got a feeling that Mike Weber is going to get healthy in a real hurry and tell Urban Meyer he's ready to go this week. Strongest steel. We're having some fun with you as we always do. Looking at what's going to be a big, big week again. Four in the top twenty-five matchups, right? Uh, number five Oklahoma, number two Ohio State, thirteen Auburn, number three Clemson, fifteen Georgia going to twenty-four Notre Dame, and of course 
course, as we said, USC, number five, hosting number 14, Stanford. Let's get back at it with you, 646-668-2248. Let's go uh, to the state of Michigan. We mentioned uh, Michigan hosting Cincinnati. Now uh, we'll take a look at uh, Michigan State and Western Michigan. Here's our man Tony from the Wolverine State. How you doing, Tony? Good, guys. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Um, a little worried about I'm a Michigan State fan, but the way Western played last week, what do you think of this game? Yeah, you know, I, I like the way Western's running the football uh, to run for those type of yards that they did in 5.5 yards to carry against USC. I think they will have some success here against Michigan State. Uh, you wonder a little bit about the quarterback situation coming in, and the dangerous thing is, this is a Michigan State team that's uh, completely different than last year. Last year, maybe they were reading their press clippings a little bit. None of that going on this season. This is a team that's uh, I'm very impressed with what they did against Bowling Green. So I do like Michigan State to come out of here with the win. I don't think it's going to be a blowout because uh, if you check my uh, magazine, you look at the power ratings. I had Western Michigan right at the top of the MAC in the power ratings at the start of the year. They only trailed USC by four points late in the fourth quarter. I think Michigan State pulls out the win, but maybe by only about a touchdown. Appreciate the call. Yeah, Phil, I'm with you on this one. I, I really like Western Michigan. You mentioned it. You know, we know with Jarvion Franklin and Jamari Bogan and that uh, that veteran offensive line, like it. Uh, John Wasink, the quarterback, we discussed that. Remember with uh, Tom Flacco leaving the program in late July? Um, so no, Western Michigan acquitted themselves very, very well. Uh, did you get a chance to see much of um, of Michigan State and Bowling Green? What, what was your impressions of uh, the starting quarterback for Mark D'Antonio, Brian Lewerke? You know, early on, Bowling Green was making a game of it. Much of we've seen with most of the Big Ten games uh, this week, you know, Ohio State struggled with Indiana, everybody's struggling. But uh, I thought Lewerke really looked improved in the in the second half. Threw for 250 yards, hit 67% of his passes, had a 3-0 ratio, showed some ability. Surprisingly, the leading rusher on the team was 69 yards last week. So a very good uh, one, and Lewerke looked to be much improved over last year's edition. Yeah, yeah. So interesting watch will be uh, Mark D'Antonio's squad going through this season, trying to rebound from a just a, a dreadful three and nine a year ago. We've got a couple of more minutes here, and uh, Mark, we appreciate that call checking in on Michigan State hosting Western Michigan. Phil, we, uh, we of course we uh, discussed the um, the Stanford and USC battle coming up on Saturday night, and will that directly impact the squad that's ranked number seven this week, the Washington Huskies? Uh, they traveled all the way to the East Coast. Uh, Phil, I'd call that a workmanlike win that they put together over Rutgers uh, last weekend. Now they host Montana from the FCS. Uh, is is Washington going to be the type of team that you think that just is kind of going to hang, you know, hang there behind the bushes and then show up in November as a team that's going to be involved in the college football playoff again? Yeah, that, I think they will be. The Washington-Stanford game is going to determine the North, and uh, this is not last year's Rutgers team. I, I did one radio show last week, and the, the host said, I think Rutgers will get shut out. And I go, eh, it's not last year's Rutgers team. I mean, they got Kyle Bolin, the Louisville transfer quarterback. They bring in Gus Edwards, the Miami of Florida transfer running back, and most significantly, getting back Janarian Grant. I mean, this guy's one of the most dynamic, explosive playmakers. They were scoring points early last year. Then Grant went out with injury, and bye-bye offense, and they had all those shutouts. This is a much-improved Rutgers team in the second team. Still think they finish at the bottom, but uh, I sort of expected them to move the ball a little bit on that outstanding Washington. Maybe not to the tune of uh, uh, 309 yards, but uh, they they did well. And, you know, one quick note for you, uh, Michael, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up. I'm heading to Bristol later on this afternoon. You'll see me on Sports Centers Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, things like that. But uh, if you're looking for the NFL, we did not put out an NFL magazine this year, but I have been working a lot on the NFL. In fact, during the month of August, I spent a good portion of it studying the NFL. There is a 32-team preview up on ESPN Insider. You can get all 32 teams broken down, my chances of what I expect for them this year. So if you're looking to bone up for this week's NFL, go to ESPN Insider. And Guys, I know it's a pay site, but it's $3.33 a month. You go to a ball game, that's half the price of a beer. Go to ESPN Insider and check out that 32-team NFL report up there right now. That's ESPN Insider. You go to ESPN.com slash Bill Steele, and I'll take you right there. Yep, absolutely. Got to be uh, to be in touch uh, the right way for you. Check Phil out at ESPN 
insider. Phil, let's uh, roll out today with uh, the the Canes, the U, Miami, Florida, Mark Rick squad. They got to go in to see that uh, that tough band of Red Wolves of Arkansas nope, State. Nope, uh, nope, nope. Did they nope. call it game off? Got, game got called, yeah. So no game this they week. And that's too bad for Arkansas okay. State because that was one of their big games. Now, one other thing I do want to throw out real quick. Uh, yeah. Inside the press box, go to insidethepressbox.com and get this week's uh, get a free sample copy. Get everything that's up there for inside the press box. That's insidethepressbox.com and and uh, also Phil Steele Plus is outstanding. But uh, yeah, the Miami game got canceled. Tough break for Arkansas State. Did they postpone that till November? Have they set a date in November they're going to play it or not yet? I believe it's canceled. I believe that one might get Just- canceled. Wow, so it might be 11-game regular seasons for those two squads. All right, we'll keep a tabs on that again. With uh, So that's Hurricane Irma that's coming in and potentially causing some problems. So, all right, we uh, are expecting, though, a phenomenal weekend, number two, uh, on this Saturday, September 9th, and as we mentioned, four in the top 25. Phil, great stuff as always. We'll check you out on ESPN and uh, uh, ESPN Insider as well, and we'll look forward to, to having you right back with us next week here on Strong as Steel, my man. Have a great football weekend, Phil. Sounds great, Michael. Enjoyed the show a lot today. Absolutely. Always fun. And you guys make this show exactly what it is, so stay locked in with us right here on Strong as Steel. We'll do it 12 o'clock each and uh, every Wednesday Eastern Time Live. But again, whether it's Blog Talk Radio or iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, you can always go get any edition that you might have missed live. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, big, big thank you to him. And again, for all of you, our strongest steel listeners, great stuff. You're the best. Enjoy your college football weekend. For Phil and Jimmy, I'm Michael Regai. See you next time, everybody, right here on Strong as Steel. Till then, so long.